0: As-salamu alaykum, everyone. I hope everyone had a good Ramadan and a good break and uh, it's uh, great to be back with the podcast, which is actually a really good episode and gets uh, cover some serious discussions towards the end, especially. I want to tell you all about our summer initiative. We've got classes for online classes for all age groups. We put together a seven course family pack for kids, for tweens, for teenagers. And then three classes for adults. There's an intro to Arabic class, and there's a Mufti has a hadith uh, with Ijazah class. I have the part two of the Hikam of Ibn Atah, which you you can listen to part one and is recorded. And we have a new instructor for Tajweed, is an old friend of mine by the name of Ashir Adrian Kirk. He'll be doing Tajweed. So if you have your teenagers or your uh, adults uh, want to get better at Tajweed, he'll be doing live interactive sessions so that. People will be able to recite and he'll be able to correct them as well. So, check it out on Safinasociety.org. We begin our term on June 21st and it's a two month term. It's a crisp exactly two months, June 21st to August 21st, again at (laughs) Safinasociety.org.
1: Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sallam. As-salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. Uh, Eid, Eid Mubarak, Mubarak to everybody. MashaAllah. So we're joined today by a full house. So we have Dr. Shadi, uh, Nazmal, Saad, and uh, Brother Elias or Alex uh, joining us today. So for starters, uh, I wanted to just ask you, know, how is everybody's Ramadan?
0: Alhamdulillah. Very good. Very good, very good. You, uh, it was, I would say... Um, it was different. Yeah, to me it was... I thought it would be a lot easier than it actually turned out to be. and It, turned it actually out
2: was be, kind of difficult, yeah.
0: Yeah, for me it was really difficult. It was... Um, I didn't, I thought it would be so easy. Come down, do a couple streams throughout the day. Really no effort. And, you know, uh, just recite Quran and do dhikr and rest up uh, in the daytime. But it turned out to be... So mind, almost like mind uh, bending in a sense, because there was literally, I didn't have a, uh, I hardly had any six or seven hour breaks, right? Because remember, you have to eat at certain, I didn't calculate the eating part of it. So I calculated when I had streams, but I didn't calculate that you have to put Suhoor in there, right? And when you have Iftar and sahur jammed at a set time and you can't wiggle them around, you end up having a really restricted schedule, right? So it was literally like, No chance to take a break, right? And no chance to take a breath.
1: Yeah, I I I think I found it similar. I found I I definitely I thought simultaneously it was one of the best Ramadan's in my life and also one of the hardest Ramadans of my life. Really? Actually, I think I think it was the hardest Ramadan of my life. It
2: was it was it was hard in some ways and easy in some ways, right? Like for example, you had a lot more. I mean, I know Doctor shady was doing like a lot of live streams, but the average person had a lot more time, right? To to focus on 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 things. But at the same time, I feel like you realize that how much the community aspect you miss and how much that carries you throughout the month and how much it helps you in like your own personal, uh, worship. And I think a lot of that was missed for sure.
0: Oh, that was totally was, it was also the fact that when you have to get up and get out of the house, that by itself, it moves the blood in your body. It moves, it causes you maybe to breathe a little bit harder, which is a little bit better. Like if you're moving around and. Going to the masjid, setting up, you're gonna move some chairs, you're gonna do some work, right? Uh, what ended up happening is that none of that was happening. And so y- you don't even breathe well, believe it or not. Like you're not breathing well, you're not, there's no exhaustion, there's no physical movement. So to me, that was, that was the worst part of it. You know, the lack of any physical movement and all that stuff. Uh, you know, the
1: sleep was really difficult for me. I sleep think, is always uh,
0: the hardest part for me. Yeah. I can, I'll trade, I'll trade uh, any, any day of the week. Give me ninety minutes more, and I'll fast two hours more. Right? Sure, yeah. I I I I, I could do that. Yeah. yeah, I'm 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 okay with the
1: food and the water. It's just the sleep. Yeah,
0: yeah. i uh, I'll fast four hours more if I can have a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you Did you guys see the meme
2: about uh, taking a different route to uh, eat Salah? Yeah that, <laughs> that <laughs> there, yeah, that was funny. That guy climbing out of the window.
0: That was hilarious.
3: Yeah. i'll uh. say i'll say though like eid was kind of a uh, little disappointing because um you know how when there's ramadan and like the start of ramadan and the end <laughs> of ramadan and like the ten, last 10 nights they're all like there's a distinct division right like oh yeah. in the 10 nights the mushid starts getting packed and like you feel like uh like the spirituality exuding out of like everything right um yeah. but like this ramadan it was just like oh the last 10 nights oh okay that's tomorrow and then Eid and then you just wake up and you're just like oh okay it's Eid today well
0: well, uh, for me Eid I always wished you know that someone's got their mic on the speaker on I don't know who it is but uh someone it's just the speaker it's not the uh uh you can keep your mics unmuted but the uh Eid for me is something that I, I always actually wish I could pray Eid and call it a day right? Because in Ramadan, not the other Eid. Eid al-Adha is different because you didn't really fast and be exhausted, right? You're going into Eid pretty fresh. But Eid al-Adha, Eid al-Fitr, you know, you go to Eid, you come back, there's always something to do, and then there's someone comes over. Oh, we got to go to so-and-so's. Why? I need to to take a total day off, right? This is like more work. I'm exhausted here, right? I don't want to deal with anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. Uh, So Eid to me is always something that... uh, it's almost like more homework, more to do. It says this time, instead of talking, it's smiling, right? I got to keep smiling. And-
2: <laughs> <laughs> is, is Doc like the Grinch of ETH?
0: <laughs> <laughs> honestly, this, this uh, Corona lockdown has been uh, honestly a, uh, a break for my cheeks because you go out to the masjid, you got to smile all day, everyone. You got to lift the people up. You got to make sure they're happy. You got to make sure you're always smiling and you're literally, my mouth gets tired. Right. Is that
1: Just me. or That's like a very selective problem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is a real problem. Ask anyone who has to go deal with every single, uh, yeah, all these people right. in the you're public. Right. It's
2: true. true. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, you're, you're, it's you're exhausting.
0: It's like,
2: or, or ask, uh, I feel like it's, somebody, it's akin to people who work it, what in retail.
1: What'd you say, Alex?
4: I said, you guys are, are uh, in IT or program, whatever the hell you do.
2: We don't have to deal with people.
4: You guys are, you guys, you guys are supposed to be uh, you know, surly and yeah. not
2: personable
4: and a little autistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's probably true.
2: <laughs> Whereas as somebody who worked in retail and they're like, oh God, I got to deal with these people all day
0: long. Uh, th- but, the, uh, but to be honest with you, when you go out there and you got to make people, you got to smile and you got it actually makes you happier and more optimistic, right? It becomes such a habit. And that's why I think people in sales are like this. It becomes such a habit to be upbeat, to be optimistic, right? To see that everything is half full, that you actually start translating that to your own self. And it becomes just like a second nature, that everything's always half full, you know? Just like arguing becomes second nature to lawyers. Some people say that, right? Absolutely true. It's true, right? Because it becomes second nature. <laughs> uh, meanness probably becomes second nature to... You know, prison guards, or or law enforcement, or something.
1: Tajweed teachers.
0: <laughs> Tajweed. <laughs>
1: that's
4: that's <laughs> so true. It's not even funny.
0: Yeah. Oh no <laughs> wait, te- but see, here's the
4: Tajweed teachers are actually usually super nice outside of teaching you. You're
1: right. You're right. You're right. Actually, They're, all Arabic teachers are like that. I mean, well, Arabic teachers
0: wild. The the Egyptian Tajweed teachers. There's a new movement in Egypt actually, and Sheikh Hariz was talking to, to me about this. Um... I'm, I'm going to try to talk over Nas's fan because the, you can all hear it, right?
2: I can't. Turn that off, man.
0: Is that your fan, Nas? You don't have air conditioning. Who um, has fans?
2: I'm, I'm muted. I'm muted. He was on mute. Yeah, man. Suffer through some heat for the sake of a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just wondering who has fans anymore. I mean, okay. Anyway, uh, thank you for turning it off. Uh, <laughs> but the issue, what was I saying? What was he even saying? We got to clip that part out.
1: What was I saying? You were talking about Egyptian...
0: Oh, I was talking <laughs> to Sheikh Khaled. I was talking to Sheikh Khaled and he said that the Egyptians realized that people are getting weaker. So the Tajweed teachers have adjusted and now they're like fuzzy-wuzzy bears, right? They're really kind and really nice. If you talk to Sheikh Ismail, the way he treats the kids, the kids love him. If you talk to Sheikh Khaled, they love him. So the Egyptians have this movement where they're really, really soft and they make kids love the Quran and it's working, right? So he used to say... Uh, also, I talked to uh, Ashir, who's doing our Tajweed this, this semester online, and he said the same thing, that in Morocco and Syria and stuff, they had to sort of change things up because people would, their egos would be too bruised. So you had to skip over some mistakes after correcting it three, four times. You'd have to skip over them and praise them for saying something else correct, right, and then go back to that mistake later. So what used to maybe take uh, a week to fix or a month to fix because people had a little more thicker skin. Now might take six months to correct because the egos are a little bit more. They have to be sensitive
1: about people's egos. You know, <coughs> so. I know, I know. It's like a thing to clown on that, but it's like uh, people are different nowadays because of everything that's around them and, and and all these things that are that are here. And I think that's a good transition into my next uh, thought, which is <coughs> the idea of the shayateen being sort of out post ramadan um and and i wanted to ask you know i'm, I'm I, because it's a thought that i've had you know i wonder if the thought that i had the other day was the shayateen seemed to be out with vigor and vengeance right uh post ramadan this time and i i wonder if it had had something to do with the masajid being closed the 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 doors of um you know the 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 harem were were closed. No was it?
0: Wasn't. I thought there was. They had taraweeh.
1: They. Oh, sorry. I meant masjid um, the nabawi. Um,
0: they didn't have. They might either?
1: have. They might have had, but, but it wasn't like the large, large group. Uh, oh, right, I see. So. Okay.
0: Well, check this out. You want to hear an, a, a a bizarre jinn story? But this is so bizarre that it's actually like uh, like a real jinn story. Go for it. Okay. So this I got this from Ali Okay Okay. Uh, uh, Ali Batik tells, tells me that A couple Some while back some guys in England they're driving And it's the night Of Eid so Maghrib is just In and they're going to an Iftar for the last iftar of The month and Eid is tomorrow Right so they see a Lady looks like she's wearing hijab right So they stop the car They see if she needs anything because it's like The lady in hijab and they thought she was a Muslim turns out it wasn't a lady in hijab It was a person in a hood Okay, it it wasn't hijab. It was just like a type of hood. So they they figured we stopped anyway I say, where where are we taking? They found a very nervous uh, person. Right. And so they said, come on in. Where are you going? I just need to get to the end of the road. And they let her in and she's in the car. And then they realize, like, is it a he or a she? They can't really tell if it's a he or she. And they're they're talking like, "Where, where are you going? She's like, uh, I'm going, and I'm, I'm actually running. Um, and she was very nervous, extremely nervous. It's like, where, where are you headed? To? Like running away from a f- 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 fox. She's like stuttering. She's so nervous, she's stuttering. And then uh, she's like, like, what the heck is she saying? Right? She must be a little bit deranged. That's what they thought. So then uh, they drove her a little bit, and they stopped her by like, where they live, right, in the neighborhood that they live at. And then on as she's stepping out, the guy notices something really weird about the calves of this uh, person, whether it's a he or a she. That there was like uh, fur on the calves, right? And they're like, what? This is the weirdest thing in the world. So they didn't is think the about... Iranian? It. <laughs> <laughs> so th- This is like the, the weirdest thing in the world. They go about their day. They don't think anything about it. Now, on Eid morning... The driver, the guy who drove the car, he's, he's going out and he finds outside in that same area where they dropped the lady off, they found a dead fox, right? Then they put two and two together. That when the, the shayateen, this is the theory, it's speculative, this is, we can't say this is knowledge, but this is their theory about it. The idea of the shayateen being locked up is that that shaytan of jinn was locked up in a rabbit. And that rabbit was being hunted by a fox. And once he was able to get out of that rabbit, right, because Ramadan was over, he went and got revenge on the fox.
1: Wait.
3: So, <laughs> that, that is the craziest story. that I've ever. It, it, In
0: Ramadan, the jinn becomes
4: a were-rabbit.
0: Become, it, was, mm. it, was, it, was, it was trapped in anything. That's true because it's the moon too. Right? It, the, the, <laughs> that, it was trapped. So the, the one part that we don't have, like where is where are the jins trapped where are they locked right <clears throat> so he said that his theory is they're locked in Man. in things right so this jinn happened to be locked inside of a rabbit and that rabbit was now almost like possessed a rabbit right and that rabbit was being hunted as the law of nature by a fox so once the jinn was able to come out of the rabbit because Ramadan was over right it Went back and got revenge on that fox that hunted it all night. I mean, it's a story, right? There's this, no this, Dean here, this, but it's a story. No, this,
4: this actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Blaine. So, you know, all those people that are like foxkin and dogkin <laughs> and whatever, they're just Shia-team.
0: You, you never know, man.
4: <laughs> they just have an affinity for, for the animal they were trapped in last Ramadan. You never oh, know. Snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows these people we're in together. real life. Is, is this together. why dogs are haram? <clears> no. First of all, uh, what do you mean dogs are haram? In what way?
3: I forgot. I, I forgot you guys were... Bro, me. go eat some chicken rice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah, so that that was... Uh, isn't that like... But it's a good story, though, right? Like, it would yeah, make for it, a great yeah. short story mystery like um, Edgar Allan Poe. If Edgar Allan yeah. Poe heard that story, you can, ima- you can see that being an Edgar Allan Poe short story.
2: Right. I've actually thought about that. Even horror stories, right? A lot of yeah. them are probably based on like those kind of things. Bro, those I'm,
0: events. okay. Listen to this. There is a there is somebody the other day, who uh, who I met, and he also was one of those who has you know, mashallah, he has got a lot of stories uh, of this nature, and he told me that there was a convert. He met a convert, and this convert said that he used to um, work. He used to work making. Games and things, right? Uh, Video games and and horror movies and things like that. Well, the person became Muslim, okay, and then came to and started having himself visions of uh, Shayateen and Jinn. Some people, they just have it. It's like a gift, I guess, from Allah or a curse. It's the thing. They see these things. And he said he realized that all the little characters that are made in these horror movies, they're like they're actual. Uh, likenesses of shayateen al-jin and they're given inspiration to these writers and directors to make them look like this make them look like that make them do this make them do that and he he realized because i worked in that field and i saw what they look like then when i became muslim i came out and started seeing how similar they actually were right now it's i mean it's an interesting thing
3: that 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 makes that makes total sense you know why because like like I used to play a lot of games, um, and like you know, I used to follow the Gable Sphere and so on. And you can see, like, some of the some of the um, like monsters and some of the boss battles and things like that. Like some of those things actually resemble um, old depictions of Shaitan. Like you know, like uh, the Kabbalah and like uh, the yeah. guy with the, the goat horns head and, and everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, you'll see like so many symbolisms of like uh, these creatures in these games that uh, I was just thinking like. Uh, this must be inspiration from shaitan
5: yeah
3: crazy even more to that point um a lot of really successful famous
4: writers they talk about their characters not as their own uh ideas that they created right or that they formed or developed, but rather as they just come to me Mm -hmm. and i just write down what they tell me to say yep and they really talk in this language and it's a lot of them it's not it's not like it's one person they all talk about i thought i was done with this character but then She Mm -hmm. popped up again, and she had a whole new story for me to tell.
0: Like, I think the Joker is actually uh, based upon this because doesn't he drive every person crazy? Like Jack Nicholson, he said, don't do this, to Heath Ledger, right? He said, don't do it. It It's changed. I've never been the same again. And Heath Ledger, you know, lost it. We'll see what happened to this guy. He was this guy, the recent Joker. He was already a little off. This is
4: an interesting (laughs) thing, right? John (laughs) Cook. Going backwards, Joaquin Phoenix, he grew up in a cult in South America, the children of God, where there was like a lot of child abuse, uh, child sex abuse. Um, You know, his brother OD'd at a young age, like the the family's messed up. Um, Then you go back to Heath Ledger, who also OD'd and, you know, he had serious problems, who knows what demons he was coping with. And, you know, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson had the wildest upbringing of all. He was raised by his grandmother as his mother. And his mother as his sister.
0: What? Why?
4: When he was born way, you know, back in the 30s, I think, um, you know, his mother was unwed, young. Oh, right. I see. I see. So they just sent her away somewhere or they went yeah. away somewhere. They came back and they were like, oh, yeah, my mother was pregnant. She had the baby. Yeah.
1: What do you mean Jack Nicholson was born in the 30s? How is that possible?
0: Well, he's really old. Maybe forties. There's really no old. way
1: he's that he's old. old. Yeah. Jack, Jack Nicholson? Oh, Jack Nicholson. Sorry. I thought he meant Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. What? <laughs> No, no. no. I was Nick- like, "Wait, what?"
4: So, so, yeah. So he was raised in that's, and he didn't find out that until he was a, an adult. Oh. And he was also really good friends with Roman Polanski, who oh, has made a, a lot, lot of uh, a No, rapist. Roman Polanski was a the director. Oh, okay. Pedophile rapist. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So this is rape. He raped like a, it was like a 14, 15 year, old girl, year old year old dog.
2: Yeah. He's not back allowed back in the U.S. because of that.
4: Right. And but also he made Rosemary's Baby. He made some other crazy movie. The Omen? Uh, no, it, it's uh, ninth, the Ninth Gate or something like that about some archaeologist that opens up the Ninth Gate of Hell. And he's definitely uh, in, an occultist. And Jack Nicholson was with him the night that he raped that girl. He was with another girl who oh. might have been 18, so he got away with it or something. Wow. Goodness. So Jack, Nichol- so apparently that role attracts like people that are really screwed up.
5: So,
0: uh, jack nicholson himself when he talks about acting he talks about uh he uses a word where you're almost like infused right and uh, channeling. Channeling, channeling right so you're channeling mm-hmm. now you got to channel something right what are you channeling so uh, yeah that's and what it's i saying. mean
3: uh when when we studied uh, some greek poems like uh in my english minor class there's like explicit call to these gods right like, muse, come and infuse me with the poetic spirit. Like, they're calling out to their, um, you know, shaitan gods to, like, fill them with inspiration. And, like, uh, so, you know, it's, like, absolutely clear. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: yeah, so I, I don't know if, uh, you know, sh- uh, the, the, the there is a link in in sequence between Masajah being closed and Ramadan and all of a sudden all this uh, social upheaval is going on i mean who knows what's the link but the uh, it is uh, we are in akhir zaman and we should expect the unexpected and uh, in the past 24 hours i hadn't kept tabs with uh, any of the um, uh, you know protests or how they're going if they're going if the people if the uh, army is really taking action against them if there's any been clashes or anything but one thing i have been doing which is uh, which is just f- find what the leaders are doing and give them support because they're the ones really who are at the forefront. Uh, some people like Sheikh Amin, we had him on yesterday. Um, I'm look, I look at uh, a brother named Jihad Safir out of California. Imam Zaid had a comment. Uh, Muhammad uh, Mendes, Imam Mendes had a nice post on uh, the archetypes of people in situations where some Muslims are being attacked and others are not. And that's our situation, right? So he said, Sayyidina Bilal ibn Rabah was attacked. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr was protected So Sayyidina Abu Bakr did everything he could To ensure that these slaves that were being attacked and, and tortured uh, Were freed So he said, and then the third person The third archetype is the Umayya bin Khalaf Who's doing the attacking I would say there's also a fourth archetype Which is someone who is protected but not taking action Right um, So we have to be that type of pre- people that either you're going to be the Bilal being attacked or you, you're going to be the Abu Bakr who is supporting those who are being uh, oppressed. And that's the role we have. We're not leading the charge, but we're maybe on the wings and in the back trying to give uh, whatever platform we have uh, to these uh, people who are, who are on the forefront. So that's why uh, Sheikh Amin came on yesterday. Inshallah for the next podcast, we'll have somebody, to talk about uh what what's actually happening on the front lines uh in these struggles and i think most of it is advocacy which is talking change, trying to change people's minds now um i want to let you guys uh put a comment but i have two ideas one about unity and one about law enforcement which are you know they're theories but i think they they have a ton of merit right
1: yeah so i want to get into a lot of that and before we do um because I, I personally, I mean, you guys are welcome to to discuss it, but I personally am going to stay away from commentary on the actual political, social aspect of it because it's just not something uh, I understand and not something that that I that I think I, I I am comfortable commenting on. But like you mentioned, right? I think as long as all I would do is parrot our leaders and parrot what they've. Uh, you know, already said. Uh, so, so one thing that I wanted to actually, I know Nazmal had prepared a little quote uh, by uh, Sayyid Nursi to talk about the wakul and hope. Uh, because the one thing I've noticed, and, and I've been talking to a bunch of people the last few days, even some coworkers were telling me they'd just been down and depressed they've had a considerable amount of anxiety about what's going to happen and and where the world is going to go especially you know with the the, the pandemic you know a few months ago before that there was that whole like Iran thing and then before now it's like you know the, the, the social justice movements and yeah and it's like what's going to come next there's the, and there might be an economic fallout of the- so I, I wanted to, to, to have Nazmo, you know, give us that say mercy quote and, and talk a little bit about the walk.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let me just cut in real quick before it settles in anyone's mind. A moment doesn't get anxiety.
1: Let me just
0: put it right. Real, real, just, um, just to, before it Is settles not, in. These were
1: some non-Muslim co-workers. <laughs> yeah.
0: So just uh, that they're not like us. We have what they don't have. Right. So just before it settles in someone's mind, oh, they got anxiety. Maybe I do too. No, no, you don't. A moment does not have anxiety. You, you get nervous for a second. Right. And then you turn back to Allah, you flee to Allah, and that's, uh, you're safe again, right? Uh, yeah. Just make sure you make tawbah for your sins and have ban billah ta'ala. But just uh, something, you know what, I, it's not even that, anything you said. <laughs> I never like to even hear words like that without immediately, ref, you know, mentally refuting them by saying something, right? That's how I actually ensure that they never settle into your mind, right? So that's why, like, before game seven, you ever, you know, Played in a championship game, but I know maybe Nas hasn't. But he's played. played maybe
1: I played tennis maybe. and soccer. I never played basketball. Maybe uh,
0: Nas, <laughs> maybe Nas I, has been in like an IT competition. I love how you just put
1: down. <laughs> I love how
2: you
0: throwing just Nas down under down. the bus before have I have to give us some nugget of information. Okay, <laughs> okay. Look, I, used, I used to play tennis. but no, all right, Nas. <laughs> for us, for me, it was before championship game of soccer or hockey. For you, maybe it's like right before the SAT or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, You I didn't do
3: that well on the SAT, so you're just bringing what up did, power right now. You know, What did you get? A fifteen eighty? no I can't. I can't do
0: that. A sixteen hundred?
1: I can't say that publicly. Fifteen fifty
0: nine. He got like a fifteen eighty and went home disappointed, kicking rocks. Did you break
3: fourteen <laughs> hundred? Um, I don't it
0: remember. He was at a twenty four hundred
1: at the time,
3: right? He it was at it a it twenty four hundred at the time. Oh okay.
2: yeah. Oh, well, guys, I don't even know what that you means. you Guys are out of touch.
3: <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> but okay. it's back down.
3: It's back down to sixteen hundred, right? Yeah, yeah it's back down to sixteen hundred. Yeah, because they got it wrong that time. <laughs> I I did very well on the, the reading and writing sections, but the math was very tough. What? Uh, but any. Yeah, but anyway, anyway. Okay, let's hear this. Yeah, let's let's so, hear this. Sorry for
0: I'm sorry for that interruption. Uh, no,
3: for, no problem, Sheikh. Yeah. Uh, so he. No, I wasn't apologizing so, to right? you. I was
0: positive. to. <laughs> 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 kidding. Yeah, I'm just
3: kidding. All right, all right. That's fine. <laughs> just kidding.
1: Just kidding.
0: Um.
3: Okay, so here's the quote. Here's the quote. Uh. So some people ask. Uh, Say Mercy about the Second World War and what he thought of it so he says here uh, the Second World War was a display of extreme tyranny and injustice that entailed ruthless destruction countless innocent people were ruined due to one criminal the defeated were led to awesome despair while the victors worried about keeping their supremacy many suffer ghastly pangs of conscience because they could not repair the destruction that they caused The war showed just how transitory worldly life is, how deceitful modern civilization's frivolities are. The war gravely and extensively damaged human nature's essence and exalted potential. In some places, heedlessness, misguidance, and gross naturalism have been smashed by the Quran's diamond sword. While it has unveiled the extreme ugliness and cruelty of the true face of world politics, the most uh, extensive suffocating and deceiving reflection of heedlessness and misguidance. Hmm. All of this proves that since the worldly life of which humanity is enamored with is ugly and transitory, true conscious nature will search with all its strength for eternal life, for which it truly yearns and loves. And that is the hereafter. So the point of this quote, um, let's say Nursi was trying to say was that uh, Huge tragedies like the the world wars and you know all the upheavals during his time, it just reaffirmed the nature of our world, which is that the world is not paradise, right? And any human being, any rational human being, they're gonna they're gonna really search for something eternal, Mm -hmm. right? They're gonna really search for something that doesn't change, something that doesn't disappoint them. And this side, Nursi is saying that this is the the belief in the hereafter, this is the belief in God, uh, and so on and so forth, right? Um, And this is is what gives those human beings hope um, uh, because they understand the true nature of the world and they also understand the true nature of like where they're going, right? Now you might say, well, doesn't this mean that Sayyid Nursi is telling us uh, don't do anything just sit in your house and believe in God? Is that what he's saying? Uh, No, that's not what he's saying, right? In fact, Sayyid Nursi was the most active person in that time, right? He he was 80, he didn't get married. He spent half his life in, in prison and the other half in war.
5: Right. Wow.
3: So that that's not that's definitely not what he's saying. Uh what he's trying to say is that if you have a foundation, like a foundational belief that tells you what the world is, who you are, right, and how to live in it, then you can navigate the complexity that the world throws at you. Mm-hmm. Right. The alternative is that uh you don't have that and you're just leaves in the wind, mm-hmm. right? And you know, uh, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how strong I am. The world just crushes people. It completely crushes, crushes people. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we could look at these protests, for example, right? So many times that, um, that the African-Americans, they tried so many times, right, to get some rights, but we're still in this situation, right? And when people see that, they just lose hope. They're just like, uh, there's so many hurdles to getting where you want to be. But that's, again, what Said Nursi is trying to say. If you have that foundational belief, it still gives you hope. It still um, centers you and allows you to move through the world without, without losing hope. So that was the quote from Said Nursi.
0: That's a great quote. That's yeah. not, not a good quote. That's a great and a great analysis. And, and that's why, uh, you know, it's like also what um, mm-hmm. uh, happened after World War I was really was the beginning of it. And then World War II was the death blow right mm-hmm. so it was they they didn't trust any of the previous meanings that they relied upon mm-hmm. it, but let, let's look at we never compare a mu'min is never compared to a kafir right but if you actually look what the quran says it says that when they were when the fitna happened they said mm-hmm. right and their iman increased because they said this is exactly what allah promised and then what the messenger promised, right? So this is why it's important to study signs of the end of time and also important to study the nature of trials and tribulations in Fitna. We're not, you know, uh, you know, dark and always looking for the negative, but we have been warned. We have been told this is what's going to happen. And so it looks like he's actually doing the opposite of what the rest of Europe is. Izzy man is yeah. going up. The rest of Europe lost faith in, in it and then went. So right. Nietzsche was ahead of his time in that respect. And it's only the financial uh, success and prowess and material wealth that came into the West at that time that allowed people to really just sort of drug themselves uh, with materialism from thinking about what had just happened.
3: Right, and and the other thing about uh, having the foundational belief, which in this case is Islam, is when bad things do happen, you know how to interpret them, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if, I mean, World War Two was like like sometimes we blame like western civilization and things like that but if you if you look at their history it's just like filled with trauma right
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: filled with i mean world war II is unbelievable it's yeah. unbelievable and and the the things that you know there's so many stories that you just won't believe that human beings are doing this to other human beings mm-hmm. and when they came out of world war 2 they didn't know how to understand world war 2 you know they're what? just and so many so many people lost their faith in god right because uh how can you know, all of this suffering happened. Mm-hmm. But if you have that foundational belief, like is saying here, then it allows you to understand why bad things happen. Yeah. And when you, when you understand those things, it allows you to keep moving forward in a good way. Right. Um, I mean, obviously it's easy for me to say this uh, sitting in my house, um, comfortable, but uh, Nursi is an example of uh, showing you that this is possible. It's possible to have that faith. It's possible to make the right decisions. It's possible to like have hope in God despite Mm -hmm. that situation.
0: I mean, I think so, so many Muslims uh, at the individual level are examples of that too, you know, Uh, because we don't have to look at a world crisis to see hardships, right? There are how many Muslims have gone through things uh, and they've, you know, become up, come out upbeat, more upbeat than they were more uh, optimistic in nature. Because they were forced into, the, just like I said, like the salesman has to constantly be optimistic. So they are forced to de- dig deep. And you only go two, two routes when something really bad happens. Like we had a young man in our community. He's a, really had an amazing story. And it's transformed his entire family. He had a, a, a car accident, which was a slightly above a fender bender, but not a terrible accident, where he was hit and he jerked the back of his, he was hit in the back. He jerked his neck back and forth. So he's having some neck pains. So he goes to the doctor. <laughs> he does whatever scans, MRIs. The doctor says, I got, I got uh, good news, bad news, okay? And then good news again, and then bad news again. They're like, okay, what is this? Like a, sub- sand, a sandwich? So he says, the good news is your neck is fine. The bad news is we discovered a tumor in your brain. The good oh. news is... The good news is we can remove it. The second piece of bad news is that we have to touch certain parts of the brain and remove them that will cause you in about two years to go blind. Wow. Right? Because that part of the brain will shrivel up and no longer be uh, able to support your your seeing. So think about the trauma of that for a 19-year-old kid who just had his license one year ago. Right? He's just beginning. He's just just born, right? 19, you have so much energy to go discover the world that it's almost like taking a a train that's going, you know, a hundred miles an hour and then forcing it to stop. And so progressively over the span of a few years, maybe one or two years, he went to legal blindness pretty quickly. And then finally to full complete blindness, right? And he said that when he first started going blind, he would just sit in bed all day and he would be angry at everything. So angry, okay? And of course, there was no salah, no nothing. But he turned a corner. At some point, when he sort of got adjusted to the new life, and and that's what it is, I think. It's it's emotional. It's physical adjustment and emotional adjustment and everything. He turned a corner and he said to his dad, I want to go to Umrah, right? They went to Umrah. He just transformed. He's now, you know, a blessing. He's really a blessing. He's somebody who sees the world in a different way. Uh, He sees it with optimism. He's uh, uh, completely transformed. We also have a young man, subhanAllah, who suffered like an unspeakable accident at the same age, losing a limb at that age, okay? I mean, you can't imagine at that 17, 18, 19-year-old so that's your personal world, world war. You don't need a world war, right, mm-hmm. to test your Iman. These people are complete tests of, uh, uh, you know, descriptions of, or, or demonstrations is the word I'm looking for, demonstrations of Iman. You know? Moin? Right?
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> to to now take this into uh, the, the cause of this, and I think we've we've talked about this in in previous episodes. And the reason why I was hesitating uh, earlier about commentary, specifically for myself, on this issue is because we live in a very, you know, and, and Alex isn't here, but my next question was aimed towards him. But we live in a very sort of post-truth uh, world, so to speak, in in which it's very confusing and difficult to understand. Uh, issues and what the the reality of certain issues are, and I think that is the core of what causes a lot of people confusion uh, and and just uh, and, and an inability to to grapple with reality. Mm-hmm. So I'll take I'll give two examples that we under that we know of recently. <clears throat> the first is the coronavirus pandemic. Right, mm-hmm. uh, you have opinions from a variety of different uh, experts, and you have a, a complete spectrum. You have some people saying that this entire thing is a hoax, right? And then you have some people who are saying that, you know, this is going to be the next, uh, you know, Black Death, right? Yep. And, and it's going to wipe out everything. And And you can find evidences from different angles, and it's really hard to understand where exactly you should be. Yep. And I think, it's because of this. And for example, uh, uh, the idea is I like, go, oh, do masks work? Do lockdowns work? Uh, do, you know, should I stay six feet from my family? Should I say 10 people inside? Should I say more than that? Should I pray Eid Namaz or should I should I pray Eid Salah or not pray Eid Salah? Um, it, it's this confusion with just, and this is just the coronavirus. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to get to the, the social issues next, but you have this, extremely confusing world that we live in whether it comes to gender or you know school curriculums like you can take any topic nowadays right where there is just a a, a tough to understand reality and you can find positions everywhere but i'm sure that you were saying something
0: yeah i would like to comment on what you just said uh from the aspect of when we're confused what do we do when we're confused? And I've, I've seen the people talking. I've seen a lot of people saying things and making videos and making uh, posts and everything. But when I'm conf- – see, I, I don't know a lot. Of, I don't know about science either, right? Uh, so to me, it's um, – I, I don't know how to make that decision. So when you don't know how to make a decision, what do you do? You do have enough knowledge to assess authority figures, right? Like I, I, can, I don't know anything about IT, but I do know that uh, Nas knows IT – and let's say you know uh, uh
3: you know someone Mouin, else Mouin also knows it
0: Mouin, <laughs> i know th- i know that you guys know it and that uh, i don't like i can assess that uh, authority figure so or authoritative uh in the subject so i always look at people not the content of what they're saying first i look at how how many years have you spent on this subject? So I've seen people talking about effect, infectious disease. All right, you're making, you, it sounds like you're saying something smart, but how many hours have you spent studying infectious disease, right? I want to hear from the people who spent a lot of time studying infectious disease, right? Is that, isn't that a rational way to do things? Isn't this the way of the Muhadithin as well, right? I want to hear from the person who's done this. In Same theory, thing with- I
1: would agree with you. Yeah,
0: same thing with fiqh. Like you guys have been talking to how crazy about this this Gamidi person. Like I ask a simple question. I don't know who he is. Tell me what his background is. Is he a background? Is, have like a fifty uh, maseich? Give him uh, uh, a license. Does he have one who can vouch for him? Does he have peers in the scholarly circle that would vouch for him? That's what I would go by, and I would advise people to recognize authorities in fields that you don't know about uh, to alleviate your concern or your yeah, confusion?
1: I would argue uh, that I, I actually don't think it's as easy as, as in theory, it sounds easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and, may, and it's a lot easier, I think, when it comes to the traditional Islamic tradition because we have a uh and uh, uh, isnad we have four schools i mean you can uh, we have uh, the ashari tradition the the athari tradition there there's certain things that you can just cling on to and say hey this is a scholar of hanafi fiqh and maturidi Aqidah and he has an isnad going back to xyz and you know i trust this person and he's been validated by a number of people and he has good character etc 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 it's very easy to you, determ- it's relatively easy to determine that
0: you can't do that with a doctor i don't no. think so you can't do that with infectious disease? Harder. Okay. Hard. It's harder. Why. It's harder. But, okay, how many people have chosen cancer doctors? Right? Tons, right? I would say, okay, he still might Nobody's be not... Nobody's been cured yet. That's true. But no, he's still not been... Uh, uh, he's still not been... It might might not be perfect. He still might make a mistake. However, I do know that, that this person has some experience in the field. I can go with that. Certainly. But But you know
4: what it's like? It's, and uh, you know, no offense to any of the good, solid, genuine, honest doctors and contractors out there that might be listening, Mm -hmm. but it's like picking a contractor. Does the guy know what he's doing? Sure. Or maybe not, but he can talk like he does. He's been in the field, but he might not be that capable. Also, money is often driving the advice and decisions that you get. So you got a guy comes to your house or a mechanic for your car a mechanic for the car is the perfect example mm-hmm. there's great mechanics all mechanics know something most a lot of them know a lot whether their decisions are being driven by what's best for your car or what's best for their boat payment yeah can affect what what they recommend for you and it could affect the life the health of your car and the health of your body and that's a real that's a serious issue in in western medicine
0: so then you have to go with references right yeah you got to ask yeah. your friends. I don't know how to assess a mechanic. You, who did you use, right? And I'll right. just go to the person that you used, right? By the you way, I, a,
4: have a, I have these great Jewish guys. If you, if you me,
0: me mechanics. mechanics? Or they own a mechanics company?
4: No, they, they actually work on the cars. They're great. And yeah. they're honest.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, I'm, the, I'm just saying that uh, yeah. that's the way to do it, right? You get references.
1: I, I, my point, my point being, right? It's yeah. very different when you're trying to, okay, this is a personal doctor versus, okay, when you're trying to assess a, you know, geopolitical situation, uh, yeah. and I think that's very different. It's like you can't, you're not going to get references for, you know, uh, some for of the, the director
2: thing. of the CDC. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: well, right. there's also no action involved either. What action are we taking? We right. shut down the
4: whole country. Yeah. yeah. So, no, lie.
0: no. I'm saying that for us. Oh. Out of yeah. our hands, right? Out of our painful. hands.
4: I think well, uh, we, right we get for of, the, some people get some people get 100%. filled up with anxiety and uh, because of the, the you know experts say even though the, the experts are saying different things.
5: Yeah.
0: Um, right. And
4: then some people take take a very cavalier attitude and maybe are harming themselves. So mm-hmm. it, it does have consequences. And when, what what uh, I think Maureen was saying is, is excellent, which is that in this situation you're not trusting uh, the, the best doctor, you're trusting the guy with political connection.
3: True.
1: And there is absolutely action on our part. Let's. There is a specific action we took last week, whether to pray eat some, eat salah with your family or not. Yeah, right? but you have
0: no choice, though.
1: Of course you do, right? I. How
0: I, you're going to go I and chose, defy the state?
4: I chose no, the, to the, pray. The president opened up all the houses of worship. We there just, was twenty Muslims. Just were like, no, no, no. We don't like that guy. If somebody
1: <laughs> was really gung ho, they could have driven to a southern state and prayed. They could have mm.
4: went to southern New Jersey and prayed.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I prayed, Eid a lot with almost 18 people. Right. Uh, and then people looked at me crazy. They were like, Oh, you know, like you, you know, they, we were like, Hey, there's a law. You could pray outside 25 people. We had 17, 18 people. We prayed outside. And a lot of people I know were uncomfortable with that. Um, but I chose that decision. That's an action that, that was represented based on the.
0: Is there a right and wrong, wrong answer in this?
1: Allah, but
4: you know, yeah, one, one thing that we have to also point out is that when there's what people consider to be less at stake. Like, oh, so I can't go to the masjid all Ramadan and I can't pray Eid and I can't pray jamaah But, you know, Allah understands because we're being safe. But when something happens and you feel like this is way overriding any concerns I might have, you just pour into the streets and just are literally screaming in each other's faces, spitting each other, on each other's eyeballs, transmitting every, every, every uh, bacteria or virus that you might have.
0: Yeah, you're, ta- you're talking about m- uh, Muslims that uh, broke their curfew laws or whatever to protest, yeah. but were well, happily not to go to the masjid.
4: Not to go to the masjid. Nobody made a, too much of a big fuss except maybe some like uh, the the Abundi uncles, right? Mm-hmm. Or like this is not acceptable. I have to pray all my five salah in the masjid. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, most Muslims were like, "Hey, it kind of stinks, but you know, say how much to do."
3: Yeah. Um, but, but then when, something, that- when they find something that they truly believe in and they find
4: truly important, they're out and they're out there doing it
3: in, and, in that situation. Isn't it like, uh, shouldn't they be following the scholars and the, or the lo- local community leaders on whether they should pray or whether they should. Sure. But nobody even like brought it up as in no, like I, I'm not on any message board, but I don't,
4: I, I doubt that many message boards were getting flooded with. Why aren't you opening the messages? Um, but if, if people were as motivated for that as they are for something that's also very important they would have just went into the message and they would have knocked they would have knocked sammy over and they would have had to wrestle with with uh, Sheikh nasir to to to, to, because they were just there that we're doing it
0: okay let me argue just for the sake of an as an argument um the situation with uh the with police brutality is involved involves life and death Messages. Not for the
4: people that are going on the streets.
0: No, but that's what they're fighting about. Sure. Whereas, the other thing in Salam, But you, you could pray, you could, it's a sunnah, right? And there's life and death outweighs a sunnah. You can make that argument. I'm just making the argument sure. just for the sake of fiqh, uh, uh, you know, uh, chess.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that, I, uh, that is a good argument. I don't think that most people are are parsing yeah. out the logic. Because yeah. a lot of the same Muslims that are that are very supportive of people going out and protesting and taking what may or may not be a health risk. Yeah. Um, (laughs) May not be any health risk at all. We're going to find that in two weeks.
0: Uh, Um, I've actually heard one of the most reasonable things that I heard is that what's benefiting people is, is not the, 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 the uh, lockdown, but it's just wearing masks and being distant and not touching each other. uh Mm-hmm. Right, uh, that's that's what I heard from someone recently, and, and that actually makes sense because if you're six feet away from somebody, you're not touching them, and you're wearing a mask, then.
4: God's about to shut down this whole this whole talk right now. <laughs> All
0: right, <laughs> Wait, let's hear. Just sound.
4: let me just. W- Does so that make sense? I was going to say to that is, um, those those same people that are like this, we don't care, we're going to risk our life to go out and do this. I don't think that they're th- that they've given the dini aspect of it that much, yeah. where they're like balancing it out because. I've, I've been on social media today and a lot of Muslims are like these, looting is looting, you know? And it's not even like I've been oppressed all my life and I get to loot, which is wrong anyway, but mm-hmm. it's not even that it's these people are rich. These are corporations. Just destroy them and take everything that you can. And yeah. Muslims are like, yeah, that makes sense. Muslims uh, I, arguing this. Yeah, of course. Wow. And Muslims saying what's wrong with these Muslims yeah. who are protecting their, their, their stores, What are they going to actually kill someone to protect some property? That's crazy.
3: Literally a hadith.
4: It's crazy.
0: <laughs> That's crazy, man. Sorry.
3: And, and the other thing, uh, Alex, I want to point out is uh, some people, like I've seen some people on social media, they're just like, if you don't, if you, if you like speak out against the looting, then you must be with the, the white people, right? You yeah. must be with, you know, I don't even the, see this. is The police officer. And it's just... Uh, By the way, yeah, it's not white people, man. That's what, they say, right? me, That's what and, they say. And by the way,
4: I have, I have, I have a like a twenty uh, tweet thread on that I put up today explaining how structural, institutional racism is for real a thing, and it's most blatantly manifest in law enforcement and criminal justice through the courts. Right. A hundred percent. That said, this is no longer really a black and white issue in twenty twenty because the black cops. And the black judges and the black prosecutors are oftentimes – you know what they're like? They're like the male feminists, right? They go even harder
5: mm-hmm.
4: to, sh- they, they, to prove that they're they sh- they part of the in-group. So and by the way, m- most of the people that are protesting and that are um, you know, either good or bad ways are white out in the streets. So you can't really make this a, a black and white thing. Man.
0: That's true. And, and there, I, I don't know if you watched – there's a documentary that's uh, about the – Innocence Project, mm-hmm. you're probably interested in that. But uh, uh, one of the episodes had this this uh, attorney, this prosecutor. He was the most corrupt, vicious guy, right? And they used him because he was black, right? They used him to cover up anything that you know that you know that it's, it's racist or whatever. They used him. They elevated him, you know, because no one could call it racist if he himself is black, right?
4: right? Which is which is re- and, and, and again, I, I think that this is a this is a thing that's great If you replaced every police officer, every judge, and every prosecutor with minorities, you would have ninety percent of the same problems still, mm-hmm. right? Because by the way, there's not something in the soul of white people that's deficient that yeah. causes them to be. This is just the way that the structures. This is the way that this has been playing out for hundreds of years in this country. Mm-hmm. The power mm-hmm. dynamic is what it is. It's been. It's through through the legislative process and through social action, we've weeded it out in a lot of the public sphere, but it's very entrenched in, in particularly in law enforcement because yeah. they have a lot of protections. Um, they have very strong unions, and they also have the support of people who are like those guys are heroes. They risk their life every if they don't they risk their life every day, and then they come home. They just want to get home to their family. So if they got to kill a few people along the way, let them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Moeen, can I make a comment right now? Do you have uh, on the schedule on law enforcement? And I have a little bit of a theory on on law enforcement.
1: I do. I have an entire thing that we'll talk about this whole issue that I wanted to get to. Uh, But um, before we actually get to that, and I'd actually maybe like uh, Alex to go through his thread on Twitter uh, if he can later. Uh, But uh, one thing I was going to say is this conversation itself is proof of exactly what I was just saying earlier. Mm-hmm. right that it's it 's very confusing to understand what the reality of certain issues are mm-hmm. be and, and it 's because of that right I, I think it's exacerbated by the fact that everything is on social media it 's exacerbated by there is the fact that there is a ton of fake news and it 's not just fake news from like you know the left or the right there's like there's like chinese propaganda there's like russian propaganda there's there's and then on top of that add in just human error in understanding certain things and issues right yeah. and and mind you not everyone is you know super techy like whenever i run across an article i like cross reference it with like 15 different things and and find out like if a picture is real or not i mean and not everybody could do that and you have normal people reading the news, hearing the news, and the way they filter it, and, and we also, on top of that, live in a very godless, uh, undirected society that has no, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, no, like foundation to actually stand upon, right? Like nuzmo was saying, a lot of people lost religion, and and this secular world sort of came around post World War II, and it's and it's grown, and now it's at, at a height. And what is all of this protest and stuff, right? Like Alex said, is a lot of this is not about racism, mm-hmm. right? Um and, and maybe 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 a lot of maybe some of it is, but it, it, I think there's a lot of angst uh, just from this misunderstanding of how how certain issues and, and things are working in the world so i'll leave it at that and then i'll take it to the next uh, thing which is you know alex can bring up
4: so i just wanted to clarify one thing about what i said earlier when i said this is not it's not white people doing this and you can't just be like oh you're with the white people and you're not with the people of color that that divide is not valid today however the victims of this structural problem of this institutionalized problem are going to be minorities mm-hmm. and they're going to be black more than any other minority. And it's going to be black men the most. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Because that's just the way that it's been going for as long as it's been going and it just keeps perpetuating itself um, in that same direction, no matter who's behind it. Right. It's like you can put a different driver behind the runaway train. It's still going to go in that direction. And it's going to run those same tracks.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think, I think uh, uh, Alex isn't um, trying to explain away the issue. I think what he's trying to say is that issues, uh, the solution to it is much more complicated than just, you know, burning down a few buildings. Yeah, so it's much more entrenched. Shrink government. Uh, yeah.
0: Be, this podcast will come out hopefully tomorrow or Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. But today it's Tuesday. Has anyone followed yesterday what happened uh, in terms of uh, uh, outside New York at night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you can you give us an update? They've got things that are crazy.
1: I can Man. tell you a little bit a little sure. bit about Philly. You guys can talk about New York.
0: So in New
4: York, there was a lot of protests. Most of them were peaceful, just people marching, slogans. Um, there were some clashes with the cops. The, the mayor issued an 11 p.m. curfew,
5: mm-hmm.
4: which, I mean, I get It's New York City in the summer, but still 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. is pretty late. So what happened is up, right up until about 11 p.m., um, people were, when it, once it got dark, people started breaking stuff, breaking into stores. Um, they were a little more organized yesterday than they were uh, the previous day. So people had, instead of just picking something up to break a window, they brought Mm, hammers. They
0: got better at it, basically. They got
4: better at it. Um, And what they would do is they'd hang out at a location they wanted to break into. The cops would show up. I was watching this on the news. The cops would show up. um, People would just stand around. Eventually, something would happen two blocks away or a block away. The cops would run to do that. And then the people would break into that store, Like within the eyeshot. And there's nothing. They just can't can't do enough to stop it. Um, So... Madison Beyond Avenue, Fifth Avenue, where all the really high-end shops are, mm. destroyed, wrecked. Um, parks are getting wrecked. Um, you know, the actual marches and protests seem to be fine, um, but as soon as it goes down, there's people that are in it just to just wreak to havoc. Mm. Uh, but and also lots of videos of protesters stopping people who are wanting to do crazy stuff.
0: How about the military uh, mili- uh, military response or uh, national no guard military, or police?
4: Yeah, no, no national guard in New York that I saw yesterday. Um, national guard is being deployed in Minnesota. They may be going to Seattle. Seattle always needs them. Those mm. guys brought this hard. Um, and uh, Trump had them out in D.C. as well. Mm. And something that the, that Trump said in his speech yesterday was that he was going to send the national guard to states that governors didn't. Like quell the protests sufficiently, Mm -hmm. you can't actually do that. President have the authority to do that. Mm -hmm. You can call in the national guard to enforce um, some violation of. So, like during segregation, you refuse to integrate your schools. They're calling the national guard against your will. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, when the national guard comes in, that's the behest of the government. Mm.
0: Uh, So you you see this as dying down, or simmering, or getting uh, worse, or
4: I don't know. You know, I didn't even see this happening because police have been killing black people forever. They've been killing black people on video for years now and there's protests and sometimes they get a little heated. It's never been like this, but again, we have a situation now where people are scared. They have a lot of pent up energy. They have a lot of anxiety, a lot of nervousness, a lot of anger. Um, a lot of people just have nothing to do and know that they're they're not going to have anything to do for going forward for at least a few months. Um, and they've been wanting to get out and this is, a yeah. You know, there's something in there that people are. Just, so it's this confluence of all of these things. Where, yeah, uh,
0: and one of the things it's thing, a perfect storm. And one of the things I also took note of, I was thinking, like, why is it that this time feels a little bit different than pre- previous times? Previous times there were distractions, there were playoffs, there were clubs open, there were bars open, there were concerts happening, there people were a lot all the work. people. There was work. There were a lot of distractions. This actually feels more like. Uh, Egypt in the uh, Arab Spring went the way when they went out on that first day. It was a humongous march. And everyone said, well, it's because it was a day off. It was like a bank holiday, but they just a regular day off or some holiday or something, uh, civil holiday. I said, everyone will go back to work tomorrow. But most of the people were unemployed, right? Yeah. So there's no work tomorrow. And in this case, I realized that this is actually something that it's the only thing on TV. There's no like LeBron James out. There is no you know, other, other movies opening up. So everyone's sort of tuned in on one, one subject, one topic, which is why it could be inflamed. But I'm, I'm sort of wondering if it's, if it's going to just die down and things go back to normal, or is this the big one, right, where it the lasts? Way these
5: things,
2: the way these things usually go, and I remember um, watching an interview with one of the organizers of the um, Occupy Wall Street movement years ago. And he was saying that, you know, you had a lot of kids from the suburbs that, like Alex was saying, had a lot of pent up angst about, you know, stuff that really didn't affect them. <laughs> and so they were out on these streets. And as soon as people started getting sent to Rikers, uh, a lot of those those individuals z- decided that they were not about that life, right? Because they had <laughs> too much to lose. Yeah. And so I think these kind of things only continue when you have a lot of people with not a lot to lose, right? And when there's too much to lose, I think they start, uh, you know, uh, fizzling out. And so that, that remains to be seen.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with Saad there because um, I think the whole COVID situations, like prepared the groundwork for what's, what's happening right now mm-hmm. because um, a lot of people still had this idea and, you know, I, I hate to admit this, they had this idea that they could rely on the government. Right. Mm. And then like Alex said, and he's usually always right. The government failed them. Mm. And because of this COVID situation, especially for uh, poor people and for people, especially people of color. Right. I mean, they, they have, they're working paycheck to paycheck. And when they saw, when they realized actually, wait, nobody's coming to save us. And they're just like, you know, we gotta, we gotta do what we gotta do. We gotta take this into our own hands. And I think the COVID lockdown and all this stuff has just exposed uh, the fact that, you know, like, yeah, they don't care about you. The authorities don't care about you.
0: Well, Um, I mean, I I have a take on that is that I'm sort of, I'm always hesitant about any, you know, general sweeping statements, right? About like the authorities don't care and things like that. Yeah, maybe it's true. but, But what is that sentence to me? It means very little, right? Because human beings care. Authorities are, it's an abstraction, right? Mm-hmm. Human beings care or don't care, have limitations, are able to help you or are not able to help you. Which actually leads me to what I want to say bef- real quick before we, we get off. And I want to hear what you guys have to think about this because it's just an idea, but I think it has a, a basis. You cannot have an authority that tells you what to do, tells you what not to do. And on top of that, has... Authority to physically stop you and physically punish you, right? That's always going to be an antagonistic relationship if there isn't groundwork laid down of trust and benefit. In the seerah, the Prophet sallallahu established that he was trustworthy. You know, he, he had a reputation of trustworthiness first in the uh, seerah as well. Wait, well before the even the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. His grandfather Abdul al-Muttalib, whom the Prophet was very proud to be related to, had brought so much benefit to Quraysh and to the Arabs in general and to the Meccans. Okay, so benefit and trust were laid down. The groundwork for those two things. Those two things was laid down before the Prophet ﷺ ever spoke a word. Okay, of Dawa. If you go to any other level of leadership. A parent, a husband, a boss, a military leader, any every level. There has to be trust and there has to be that you benefited us. You bought us some benefit. So here's the radical idea, which I think is a brilliant idea, and I think it's probably actually going to be the way forward. Law enforcement has to be radically changed and it's got to a lot of things have to be added to it. And it really should be completely even rebranded into community development. Where their actual role is developing things in the in the in, in the community and they have the authority to arrest people not the opposite not that our main job is to go looking for arresting people right it's rather our job is to to be constructive and if anyone is out of line we can uh, arrest people that's the right way to think and number 2 if you're going to do this job and you're going to have the right to arrest people and and, and send them, and ruin their lives You got to live in that township. You got to know them. So much can be taken care of if you knew each other, right? You could probably give a person three warnings or two warnings on certain cases because you know them and he's going to be too embarrassed, right? And if you're part of community development, hold on. You helped my nephew. You helped my grandma in this, right? You were involved in that. That's where we met, right? And so I'd be embarrassed. OK, so that's real community development where you're sort of living and the authorities that have the right to, to harm you are also the ones who have skin in the game, number one. And number two, they have a track record of benefiting
1: you, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll give a little bit of a take, uh, not on exactly the situation, and, it, and it's a little dark. So I'll preface this.
0: But what did you, are you, Is this different than what I said? A different topic?
1: No, no, same topic. Okay, but d- different, different uh, take on it. Okay, um, I, I think we we talked about last few episodes, uh, the idea of things that are going to come just because of coronavirus, right? The the I, I mean I I firmly believe that there is a economic uh, depression coming our way, right? That is completely independent of of uh, you know the the social movements that are going on right now, and. I am a little bit pessimistic when it comes to uh, this system overall, because I do not believe and I don't have a solution, but I, I will say that I do not believe that with the current climate and the current administration that we have, that this system can sort of be just just changed uh, very quickly. Uh, it, I don't believe that it can actually be overhauled in the way that you're saying. I think that's absolutely impossible and, and, and just not possible.
0: Me too. It's total theory. I'm right. And,
1: yeah. and, and I also, also believe that there are some left-wing hardcore radical people who are just like, you know, burn down the whole system to that. I will say that, you know, as with a lot of revolutions that have happened across the world, it, it's sort of like saying uh, goodbye, crappy old boss. Hello, crappy new boss. Right. Like it, <laughs> You're you're not going to get this uh, brand new system that's like a utopia, right? Unless you're unless it's grounded in something that that has foundation and makes sense. You're like I said, you're just going to replace a crappy old boss with a crappy new boss. Um, and and I don't have a true solution for this, especially the within the current climate, because yeah, you can try to propose all this uh, you know reforms to. The criminal justice system, but uh, I think they would fall on deaf ears. But I'll let Alex uh, talk on that. And I, th- I think in to- on top of this sort of social unrest that's going on, a economic you know depression is on the way, right? And I think that is going to further ex- exacerbate uh, things that are going on.
4: I mean, I have to agree with Mohim That this is not a fixable system. The system itself, um, it's it's built in a way that you can't you you can't change it. It's like uh, I was thinking of a metaphor, but I couldn't come up with one. I mean, here's, here's an interesting thing, right? From an Islamic perspective, you can have people who are in authority over you. The, the number one criteria is that they're morally upright,
5: mm-hmm.
4: right? Because if you have any power over me, even even to forget about to, to, uh, you have the exclusive right to use violence against people. But you even if you can just like harm me a little bit economically, you should be the most upright, righteous person that we can find to appoint to that position and it has to be by consensus and you should be removable. This is never going to happen with law enforcement. It's never gonna happen with any Western government system. Yeah. Um, and, and this machine is too big anyway. I mean we're talking about a country of 350, 370 million people. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, this is, this is unrepairable. Mm -hmm. And it's actually only been growing. Mm -hmm. So there's more cops every year. They have more power every year. They, you know, they pass stuff like the Officers Bill of Rights, which, you know, you shoot somebody, you don't have to talk to anybody for 72 hours. You get union protection. Um, There's stuff, there's stuff called qualified immunity where, as you were kind of reasonably thinking that you were doing your job. Even if you were wrong, you're immune.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And even if you, even if you get sued for a wrongful death or an injury or an assault or anything, you don't pay it. It doesn't come out of your department's budget. It's just taxpayer money. Yeah. So then they just raise taxes, property taxes to get more money next year. So they can buy those NRAPs from the, from the Marines and you
3: know, they can buy, if you
4: cam- cam- camouflage uniforms. it's becoming more and more militarized every year. This police problem is not going to go away. Mm.
3: Wait, um, Alex, I have a question. So what if, um, like, does uh, underfunding the police departments, do you think that's a good solution?
4: I think it's a fantastic solution. It's never going to happen. Uh, it's, like try- it's like, especially in places in, in mobbed up, and I mean that literally, mobbed up places like New Jersey, where the unions are super powerful and super mm-hmm. connected, right? It's, it's kind of like trying to cut teacher salary. And I'm yeah. not comparing teachers to college. But it's like, it's like try- hold oh, up. It's like trying to cut teacher salaries, right? No, there's no way. They only go up. Mm-hmm. You can't cut their benefits. You can't cut their salaries. You can't fire them.
0: Uh, what about this new movement that I'm seeing around in the marches, which is like, I hate to use this word, but woke law enforcement. And I saw this guy, you know, had the whole look of a cop, city cop, accent, you know, Brooklyn accent, everything, basically giving a speech on the importance of...
4: yeah. That guy's actually the number the
2: number one ranking officer in, in New York
0: yeah. City. Wow. He's
4: a
2: politician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I think it's window dressing, right? Even if even if you look at like the civil rights movements in the sixties, mm-hmm. almost uh, immediately afterwards, uh, they started the war on drugs. They started these campaigns that, hey, like once you got your rights, we're gonna criminalize certain behaviors. Uh, to adapt to that new reality, so I think even now, right like it 's just going to shift something 's going to shift you 'll have police marching with protesters, but there 's going to be some shift where things still perpetuate, and, and yeah. that 's been going on for three hundred years
0: but here 's something though, but I mean we 're go- now going into people 's intentions, and we want people to change or we want change and then when the actors who are the people bringing harm or associated with the people bring harm actually try to do something we say it's window dressing so then why should they try if that's the reaction of people Alex. so so my so here's 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 the per
4: you know how there's that um only a few bad apples thing that everybody talks about yeah. when it comes to police? some people use it to defend it, some people use it to mock it yeah absolutely not true at all and and i'll tell you why the job of the police is to not to prevent crime mm-hmm. to bring safety. That's allegedly what they're they're supposed to be doing. So it's not that, oh, we had one or two bad cops in our department. You're going to tell me nobody ever noticed? You should have arrested him. Mm -hmm. Every cop that knew and didn't do anything is also a criminal who is not even fulfilling the oath of his job and is allowing crime to happen without doing anything. Mm -hmm. But I talked to him in the locker room. I said, listen, stop kicking people in the face when they're handcuffed. And, you know, I hope that he would listen. And he said he would try. Like this is, I hate to paint a broad pressure on, uh, on any group of people, but there's something about either the people that are attracted to this job or what happens to you on the job or a combination thereof. I mean, you know, the domestic violence rates among police officers, astronomical, mm. the alcoholism. And it's not because the job is that stressful. Most cops are having, uh, most cops that I know, they have a good time. They get, they get themselves stressed out and, and hyped up when they're going to arrest somebody because they just get really aggressive, right? But it's not that they're spending their day really stressed out. Surgeons have really stressful jobs, hmm. they don't go home and beat their wives.
0: Okay, how about the, this idea, though, that when they do speak out, when a cop does speak out, and even if he knew, what was he supposed to do? Right? Arrest the person. As he has the
4: power to arrest that guy. He he's we gonna saw eat. him as committing an assault, put him in cops, but he won't because that's his brother in blue and they have a thin blue line.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: They even violate the U.S. flag code and make up their own flag with that's black and blue, which is a violation of the flag code. <laughs> uh, one guy kneels down. He's the worst person ever. because yeah. He doesn't stand for the for thing. For the, these guys change the colors of the flag to, to their own gang colors. It, it, it sounds that's, like a that's mafia.
0: A, I actually never thought about that. It sounds yeah. like a mafia. Yeah, no. The fact that one guy kneels down and that's complete disrespect. But these whole thing they, they've they violated the flag code and change the flag. I never I mean, knew, even knew thought about that as a law.
4: And, and and so again, I'm saying this as I when I was going into work, I used to hang out with sheriff's officers all the time. Nice guys on a personal level. I don't know if any of them were good at their job. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of them were good cops who did their job effectively. Who didn't looked the other way because it was their cousin's boyfriend or who, you know, didn't, maybe that guy didn't like Polish people and, Mm -hmm. you know, picked on Polish. Like, I don't know that I've met a single one that was good at their job. Maybe they're great people outside of their job. Maybe they should have other jobs. And there's this other thing that I'll just, the last thing I'll say about it is, um, you know, we've had a really, really extended period of war in Mm -hmm. this country. What are we like? 18 years now, 17 years. Yeah. Um, a war where you demonized and otherized the enemy, right? As like subhuman, yeah. these people have sex with goats and the pedophiles. Right. And you send ignorant, uneducated teenagers over there to, to fight these wars. Um, they come back and they get in some states like New Jersey, you get absolute preference oh, you were a combat veteran, you go to the top of the As long as you barely pass an exam with a 70, you're at the top of the list to get hired for police jobs.
5: Mm.
4: We we're going on a decade and a half of those people coming back and getting these jobs. Our police forces in, in the whole country are full of those guys. Mm. So it's not getting better. It's, it's really only getting worse. That's why they all have, you know, military-looking outfits now. When did mm-hmm. you ever see camouflage on a city cop? Were you camouflaging? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All bricks. Um, yeah. Why do you need like armored personnel carriers? Yeah,
1: right. I, I mean, we, to answer your question, uh, Dr. Shady, you mentioned if we're going to say, you know, how can somebody, you know, even do anything if we're just going to call that window dressing? I think, like I mentioned earlier. I don't have solutions, and and my 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 take was really just this thirty second rant on 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 this podcast. But mm-hmm. I, there we do have specialized individuals within our you know communities. Uh, take you know uh, Dawood Walid for example, right? You have people who who specialize in 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 certain social issues, uh, whose job it is, and and they formulate a plan and and they put together this plan that, okay, maybe this system is broken. Maybe all of this stuff is broken. But I think as a Muslim, we still need to do what we need to do to try to make it better, regardless of whether it is broken or not. I think uh, quietism is not the way I do. I would agree to that. Um, But if you're going to ask me from a pure theoretical perspective, I do not think it's fixable that easily. Um, You know, unless there is the hand of God and, you know, well,
0: I, I look at, I look at it not to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, but I look at it that, uh, like you said, it's irreparable. The size of the country and these institutions is so vast that it's almost pointless to even discuss to, to even talk about systemic change or whatever. Even we could talk about, you can advocate it, but it's so huge. But, uh, so what I look at it as two things. Number one, there comes a point where you say to yourself, the problems are not going away. We have to just outlive them almost. And we have to just look at our localities. You got to look at what's right in front of me. Like I got to look at the human being next to me. And that's my contribution to the world. Right. What else are you going to do?
4: I'm going to say the one thing that will solve a lot of this problem and a lot of the problems that we're dealing with in terms of institutions and government bodies. And this is not for selfish reasons. That I'm not, I don't make a lot of money. I don't pay a lot of taxes. But man, we got to, we got to, we got to reduce the money that they take from us and that they use against us. Yeah. Like, you know, your property tax is 90% of it goes to, it doesn't go to like the DPW and stuff. It goes to teacher salaries and to cop salaries. Yeah. That's it. 90% of your property tax. If you're paying, I don't know, 13,000 or 20,000 or $8,000 a year, 90% of that is just going to pay salaries of people. Some of whom may be educating your children, but you know, do we really send our kids to public schools? Some Muslims mm-hmm. do a well, lot, don't? And to people that we sometimes are afraid of, sometimes you know, you see them, you see them in your in your in your rearview mirror, you get nervous. Um, you hate when you have to call them, and we also do that thing where we like we act like they're really special. And this is a this is a a, a deep problem in the Muslim community. Um, not so much in the. American Muslim community because they know better, but in the uh, uncle communities, I'll call them, mm. um, you know, where they like, oh, the police. Uh, thank you so much, officer, uh, for hanging out here rudely directing traffic outside of Joma. It's his job. And we probably pay extra for it. And he's still being rude to our to our to our congregants. Uh, you know, we kiss up too much to the cops. We give them too much credit. We treat them like they're special. And they're actually a dangerous group of individuals. I mean mm. they're in our communities we pay their salaries and they endanger us. It's insane.
0: Do you, do we have anyone here is uh have a relative who's a cop? Sheikh Amin's son, right? I He's do. I do. I
4: have a, I have a brother-in-law that works in uh in law enforcement.
0: Yeah. And uh and Sheikh Amin's son and his wife too is a cop, right? So how do we go about uh di- going about um having these ideas when we know people who are cops, like you said, they're outside of individually, you know, it's, I only socialize with the individual. I don't know what he's doing on his job. Right. I mean, but I
1: know people who were hedge fund managers. That doesn't mean like, you know, they all, they agree with the whole system.
0: Well, I
3: mean, you could have good cops, right? I don't think that's what Alex yeah. is saying. I think what he's saying is that the, just like the teacher unions, I mean, the teacher unions are horrible, you know, um, I used to be all for public schools, but now I've completely changed my mind. Just like that, like when you have this huge structure protecting all these bad people, same thing with the police system. I think that's what Alex is trying to say. Like individually, there could be like, you know, cops that are nice or help people out. I don't think that's, the, that's what Alex was saying. Hmm. No, I think the power position
4: attracts a certain type of personality. And what I was saying for sure is that in, it doesn't matter if, if I wanted to be a cop, right? Say, I was younger and I wanted to go take, and, and I, I crushed the exam and I was ready, physically ready to go. I, I would never get on the list unless I had a connection because they're all going to be guys that came from Afghanistan who mm. have an idea of this uniform is us and everybody else is bad and not even fully human and we have to protect our guys. Mm. It's a gang mentality. And wallahi, yeah. it is. And that's been happening, like I said, since people have been coming back from Afghanistan and at all, mm. and everywhere else that we're out killing people. You well, the, have people that you have people that are like crossing your children in front of their school who have murdered innocent civilians overseas.
0: And aside from them to become an officer, and this is, again, not a put down on anyone who is an officer. Uh, there's not a lot of. Uh, you, know, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of intellectual rigor uh, in, in the New training Jersey, to, to begin with. Yeah.
4: In New Jersey, you need a high school diploma or a GED.
0: Yeah. So that's the guy who's holding the gun not and again like i don't want anyone listening out there who's because i know some people who are cops to be uh you know i went to law school with a couple of cops yeah they were they were
4: educated and intelligent people
0: yeah um
3: so uh, alex you don't think that (laughs) you Mm -hmm. don't think that uh pointing these problems out and like uh, getting a mass movement of people uh talking about this stuff you don't think that's going to help like i think we need need to reduce we need to reduce the amount of
4: we need to reduce the amount of force that is used in our communities, mm-hmm. in all yeah. communities, even the suburbs, even the soccer moms who think that they want a lot of cops there. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. need to reduce the amount of them that, that are there. There has to be less cops. They should be armed no more than is legal for any other anybody else in there in the state to carry. And yeah. like Dr. Shady said, this is an excellent, excellent point. There should be
3: permanent, mandatory residency requirement on those cops. Yeah. you have to live in the town.
4: You got to be
0: accountable. In
3: the to your community.
0: Yeah. See, the because thing is,
3: like Alex is saying, like 90% of the stuff you said, Alex, like I didn't know before. Right. And I feel like a lot of people, they're just sort of, uh, they have an impression of what, uh, you know, uh, these people are doing, what politicians do, what the president does. They just have this impression.
5: Yeah.
3: And then so, you know, that allows the corruption and that allows all of this stuff to just fester and uh, just happen. Right. But when you have stuff like what's going on right now, you know, all these people, all these protesting and, you know, uh, speaking out, I feel like that could benefit. Right.
4: And I'll say, yeah, we we have to raise awareness and we have to let people know. And, and, you know, everybody has to do their part. And we have have big voices now because of social media and stuff. You can reach more people. I'll say another thing. I I grew up in Patterson. I knew a lot of cops. A lot of my friends from school became cops. um, And I continue to be friends with them. It's not – there's things about that job, especially if you work in any kind of – if there's any kind of crime in your community, you're involved in it. Not you're committing the crimes, but, you know, if there's prostitution, you know about it. You're not stopping all the prostitution. If there's drug trade, you know about it. You're not stopping it all. You're getting – that guy maybe will give you some information about something else. You're living in the seedy underworld Mm. when you're on that job. And it affects people. It, It makes them worse than they were going in. And when they, well, again, when they're like 19 years old, 20 years old, with barely an education or maybe some military experience, it's, it's a bad combination. And we don't mm-hmm. need that many cops and we don't need them to be that well armed, especially in this. World. Why do we need cops with AR-15s in, in North Brunswick?
0: Yeah. You know that the local, chap- local uh, police departments are some of the biggest buyers of the weapons that are no longer used in the military.
4: I That's mean, it. I, I know from, from a gun club that I used to, I, there's a lot of cops there and man, they're buying all the military stuff. Yeah. They love hey, guns. A
1: lot, a lot of other countries, the law enforcement isn't armed. Right? Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. You look at India, right? Like the cops are beating people with sticks. They don't even have guns. I mean, like, I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying that you do- shouldn't
4: have an armed police force, right? I am. I'm, you, shouldn't even, you shouldn't even have government that have the authority to kill you. But... If they're going to be armed, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be armed with the deadliest weapons that even a regular citizen can't obtain. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's
1: insane. It's completely unnecessary, too. Like.
4: Yeah. They're playing G.I. Joe, and then eventually some black kid comes into their town, and they pull him over, and the kid is like, why the hell are you pulling me up? The 20th time this year, and he gets loud, and they, go, they pull him out of the car, and eventually he's he, – and, and now you got to – he's dead. Yeah. Because he's sick of being harassed just because he's black. And he's or, or because he looks like the description and these guys have nothing else to do, but they they want to feel cool and tough. Mm. Right. It's, it's a terrible, terrible situation.
0: We had invited to MBIC uh, speaker, um, big the, the big academic, his name's skipping my mind, Alex, right now. What's his name again that we invited um, from where uh, he used to be on, remember, be on CNN and he was kicked off.
4: Oh, uh, Mark Lamont
0: Hill Hill has been calling for a policeless society.
4: Yeah.
0: You know, we don't need
3: cops. We need very few. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting is that. um, I was just going to say,
0: like what you said in England, they just walk around in twos and and with a baton maximum.
3: Yeah. You know, know what's interesting is like uh, Dr. Sherman Jackson said the situation of black people like their uh, their state of oppression gives them insights into things that regular people don't have. Yeah. So when Alex mentioned that, you know, the, the black person that the cop pulls over, the black person just doesn't respect their authority. Right. It yeah. doesn't respect in them in the way that other people do. I think that's a key insight that mm-hmm. like uh, people that face the brutality of the cops, they see through all of this, mm-hmm. right. They see through all of the, you know, uh, your, of course. And, your and
0: ass. of course it's almost like uh, uh, a dad who's good to one kid and really mean to the other. Right, You're only going to see what you experience. So when you have, when someone files a complaint and he's got the scars on his back to show it, you have to listen to it. You can't negate it. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so I think, I think we can wrap up uh, here. Um, I think one last comment I had is, you know, in the face of all of these things uh, I would still want to go back to the idea of the local, right. Uh, That, regardless of what happens even if the if i if you know some of us have painted a very dark picture of of what could potentially be the future if anything like dr shadi said earlier this should reinforce our iman right because yeah. we know this is what the prophet ﷺ has told us this is a hadith right if i'm not mistaken uh that you know a person won't know why they're being killed and a person you know who's doing the killing won't know why they're killing mm-hmm. uh and i think there's an, there's another one too that at the end of times it'll be you know the, that misinformation will grow right mm-hmm. it'll it'll be hard to understand the reality of things and that's that's actually what we're in and if anything to me that gives me more iman to know yeah. that you know the, that our, our our told us exactly what's coming and, and this is this is what's the reality
0: now yeah and it's and it's also uh the dunya this is the nature of the dunya like what do we expect this world to be you know uh, there, this world is not a perfect world. It's never going to be a perfect world, and so all we have to do is have a fight between good and evil, and that's what it is. And then, and Imam Al-Haddad said, the the good era is an era in which the good outweighs uh, the evil in the streets. That means when you go out in public, there's more good than evil, and that's what the good. That's what a good era is. And good is uh, based upon the Sharia and the Sunnah, like what Allah determines good and what Allah determines evil. So I, even the way we,
2: we look at justice right uh, is then framed under that perspective right so yeah. some person who has no sense of uh you know um justice in the afterlife will think hey all this senseless stuff is is going on and and where's the justice right where's yeah. the, the people who have died they didn't get their justice the people who have committed wrongs they're not getting the justice but the way we look at it is even if you don't even if you don't see justice being meted out in this world, there is an ultimate absolute justice that will be rendered.
0: Yeah. And so we say he didn't get his justice in this life. Now he didn't get it, but he will get it. Everyone will get it. Even Prophet like said goats that were uh, uh, only had one horn will get justice from another goat that rammed it with two horns. Right. So even at the level of animals, there's going to be justice. It's just a matter of when. It's
3: interesting that uh, Nursi mentioned something, you know, people ask like, why do people that do huge crimes Mm -hmm. get away with it? So Nursi says, um, if you, if you commit a small crime, you get the punishment immediately, just like uh, you get a parking ticket, right? Yeah. You got to pay the fine immediately. But if you committed a huge crime, then they do an investigation. They bring you in front of the court. They put you in front of the public. And then they, you know, they reveal to the entire world what you did. To further humiliate you, and then they give you the punishment. Yeah. So Nursi saying like, you know, don't think just because a person has committed a crime, this huge crime, and they couldn't get justice, don't you? Don't think that that's going away. On the day of judgment, they're gonna get that punishment in the ultimate form.
0: And and the other reason why sometimes punishments are delayed and not even meted out in this life is because there are a lot of innocent people who rely and live their lives, uh, you know, on the backs mm-hmm. of or under the roofs of tyrants and Allah Mm. Ta'ala has taken into consideration or is having mercy on and providing for those innocent people so that they maybe they can live on and do good if you took out every single oppressor right away and killer you probably would harm the lives of a lot of innocent people too because we live in this world mishmashed together right Mm. we live mishmashed together the innocent depending upon the oppressor etc and and all those who are in between but in the Akhirah it's going to be individual right every man for himself
3: exactly and and the just a finishing point for me the way i see it is um uh, if if we if we knew like the cycles of history like we know that things break down societies break down and then you know there are reformers i mean there's never a period in history in which evil just prevails indefinitely Uh, if that was the case then human beings would not exist we'd be extinct Mm-hmm. Uh, and Allah says, well, You know, the, the righteous people, they'll, they'll be the, the winners in the end. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, from what I see, yeah, there's systematic racism, there's all of this horrible stuff that's going on. But there are people that will fix it, right? There will be movements that will, that will fix it. How well, they fix it, I, I don't know.
0: No, right?
4: I just have to say one thing to that. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean to pick this particular problem has existed for hundreds of years in this country, this specific problem to Mm -hmm. this specific group of people. Mm
5: -hmm.
4: Eventually some good people are going to come and fix it. It's not an answer for them, for them, not an
3: answer. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Um, But my, my point was saying, when you, when I see, at least personally, when I see people trying to fix it, then I'm going to support them with, with my heart. If I can't do it with my hands or whatever it may be, the key issue is, you know, um, where does your heart, uh, where does it attach yourself to do you do you just give up and you say you know uh, the world has gone to hell or do you at least ally yourself with the people that are doing right and uh, i believe there's, it's a verse in the quran or there's a hadith where uh, um uh, it said that uh, allah won't destroy a people until uh unless there's a group of them who are commanding the right and forbidding the uh, the, the wrong right like is there a hadith like that
0: Well, even if they're commanding and forbidding, if the wrong is hasha or has become so widespread, even that won't stop it. But here's a question. So, Alex, you don't see the end, any reform, real reform happening amongst the police. You don't see the uh, end of this police police brutality. So, to me, we're one more video away from uncontrollable unrest and mm -hmm. looting. We're one more video... If one of these protests, is seen that you know another uh, authority figure is is or or person in in uniform is beating down, even not even killing, just beating down, like uh, uh, with with a cane or whatever. Another African American. There's already been plenty, but if one of those videos catches on, I think that it's it's not going to end. It's like it's going to be an unstoppable, maybe even type of uh, civil war in these cities. Right, so that's where we're going. If that's where, if that's what you see there, there's no change going to happen. I mean, where it's just a matter of time.
4: I'm old enough to remember Abner Luima and Um, Amadou Diallo. Yeah, I mean, and that wasn't on video, we just just heard what happened, Mm
0: -hmm.
4: and those names I still remember them 20 25 years, however long it's been later, um, maybe almost 30 years now. I was a kid, and Mm -hmm. that stuff. It just there's body cams, everybody has videos, they just don't stop. Those yeah. guys were there, wasn't just that one cop on his neck, on George Floyd's neck,
1: those three others,
4: there was two other cops holding his body down so he couldn't move, and then there was the Asian cop who was keeping the crowd at bay. Yep, like this is this four people that murdered somebody yeah. over a. a, a possibly passing a, a, a counterfeit $20 bill.
0: Which he so may have know. not even known he was counterfeit.
4: I, used to, I, I worked retail before. We used to get counterfeit money all the time. We never found out about it until you ran it through a machine or something like that.
0: No, because the original story made it look like he's forging a check, right?
4: No, it's that's a counterfeit a, bill.
0: Yeah, so a counterfeit bill he might not even and know. And by the them. way,
4: there's there's no counterfeit $20 bill that's, that justifies even, even hitting a person, let alone yeah.
3: murdering yeah.
0: them. While he's cuffed. Th- three on one while he's cuffed.
3: I mean, they I don't mean, do even do that to school shooters. Think about that.
0: I know it's unbelievable. The, so, the, bro, the, the guy was taken for you got a cheeseburger. The guy who shot up uh, Dylan in roof, Dylan Roof. I mean, you got the guy cheeseburger, so the, he can the, talk.
4: Well, we, we, the the real solution, if there is one, right? Because I don't like being hopeless and and pessimistic about stuff. The real solution is raising awareness in people and helping them understand that they don't not just need to, they don't need to do what's always been done. Yeah. You don't need to have, you know, basically publicly paid armed security around your enclave in case, you know, by the way, let's be frank, in case black people come to your neighborhood, like not maybe not the, the black accountant that lives next door and you like him. He's cool. But like, you know, those blacks, Right. Mm. That's why the, that's why the police are in a lot of these suburbs, just to keep people from outside of the suburbs from even passing through your neighborhood. Mm. Um, and again, I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about people who feel above it. Um, there was some commentator, I, uh, it's an ex-NBA player or NFL player. I don't know who the hell he is. When, proce- when the protests first started, he, was, he said, yes, burn all that effing stuff down. Right? And then literally a, a day and a half, two days later, they were in his neighborhood. And he said, this is a gated community. They're climbing over the fences. So why are the police not getting these animals away from me? Wow. He's black. So hmm. the problem is that pe- people need to stop being so fearful of each other. Be less fearful, be more fearful of the real dangers, dangers to our country, not just to you individually, because that's the other thing. A lot of people feel like they don't have any skin in the game because cops don't bother them.
5: Yeah. That's if what they it get
4: is. pulled over. If they ever get pulled over, it's usually, uh, you know, try to slow down or, Hey, you know, your thing is expired. You should update yeah. it. It's, by the way, I'm particularly, this, this is relevant, I'm particularly happy. There's so many Muslims in my neighborhood. I just moved recently. Muslims oh, mashallah. All over this place. mashallah. I just saw uh, Rasul Uncle. Mashallah. Yeah, he says, salamu alaykum. That's why I left the, the chat. My wife was calling oh, me. I wow. thought something was going on outside. But it's just that he was walking by. He lives around the corner. Yeah. So, so, no, I just think people need to just start thinking about the world differently, right? Start not accepting that you need to be ruled and controlled and protected. We're going backwards on that. And I think people need to wake up and realize that it's not actually going to help you, you know? If, yeah. if, I put you, if I lock you in your house, if I lock you in a, in a room with bars on the windows and slide you some food every day, you'll be safe. Yeah you'll be protected but you're not living any kind of life
0: the people though there's an inconsistency the same people who want to reform law enforcement are the same people who want massive states right and the state to do everything for you right so we have a problem there
4: you need to reduce all of it do for yourself learn to rely on your community build communities have smaller communities where you don't really need a police force because you look
1: out for
0: each other know one another yeah
1: Yeah. I, i mean this is the main problem and and this is maybe we could cover this next episode but this is exactly what we talked about in episode 1 season 1 of this podcast right yeah. everybody's epistemology is so out of whack yeah people have no idea where they take their knowledge from and uh-huh. that's why it's like it, it's Bananas. very important there's
3: no there's no groundwork to even make a community
1: right absolutely yeah. so i think we should wrap there it is up there's
4: here on. by the way yep. that's i'm here We have a bunch of other people here. We have a masjid. We we might have a masjid. I'm about to ask for a refund on this house. (laughs) Or at least a discounted rate because I moved here for the masjid and I haven't been able (laughs) to go yet.
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh,
1: All right. I think I can wrap it up, inshallah.
0: Inshallah. Well, let's wrap it up. And uh, this was a a good episode. Alhamdulillah. It's great talking to everyone after five weeks off, pretty much. Yep. So inshallah, let's do this again.
5: Alright Alright
0: jazakum Allahu and subhanak Allahumma wa la ilaha illa anta to wa atubu ilayk walasr innal insana la fi illa amanu wa amilus salihat alhaq
6: Allahumma salli wa sahhim wa barik wa barik hawai khair maqdam ابھی جبرین اترے بھی نہ تھے کعب ایک ممبر سے کہ اتنے میں صدا آئی مولا يصل وسلم لا يظن بدن على حبيبك خير الخلق كل جميل مولا يصل وسلم لا يظن بدن على حبيبك خير الخلق كل دمي. Ya وسلم دائماً نابداً على حبيبك الخلق كلهم Muhammadun sayyidul wa والفريقين من عرب ومن عجم مولا يصل وسلم دائماً نابداً على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم مولا يصل وسلم دائماً نابداً على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم محمد fakhr-e-alam haadi-e-gul-e-sajan Sarware konne dil ne shara diye moh taram aap ka koi mumasil I'm a man of God. I'm الله man of God. i الحبيب الذي ترجى شفاعته لي كل هوني من من احوالي موقتين اللهم يا دائمًا بعد على حبيبك خير الخلق كل wo salam daim manaban ala habibi ka khair khang qul lemi mere mohda sada ta hayato durud ke میرے مولا صدا تاہیت و درود کے نا کوئی آپ جیسا تھا نا کوئی آپ جیسا کوئی Não آپ جیسا چاہنا کوئی آپ جیسا, جیسا ہے کوئی یوسف سے پوچھے مصطفیٰ کا حسن کیسا ہے زمین, 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 زمین و آسمان يا دائما ابدا على حبيبك الخلق رسول الله حبيب الله إمام المرسلين رسول الله حبيب الله إمام المرسلين يا رب مصطفى باللي مقاصيدا يا ربي بالمصطفى باللي مقاصيدا واغفر لنا ما ما ضا واسع الكرم امسس في واسع السماء نعمنا على حبيبي خير الخلق كله صلِّ وسلِّم دائمًا بَذًا على حبيبِكَ خَيْرِ الْخَلْقِ كُلِّ هِمِينَ سَرَيتَ مِنْ حَرَمٍ لِيْلًا لَا حَرَمٍ كَمَا سَرَى الْبَرْضِ